If you would take your Bible and open to Mark chapter 4. Those of you who are pre-K through first grade, if you're ready to head toward Elevate over that direction toward Miss Courtney. Now this is our last Elevate Children's Church time until August the 14th. So all the parents take a deep breath and, uh, and realize that. Also, you can't see her around the corner over there, but Miss Marva Dudley has been serving with Elevate for nine years at, at Emmaus. Every Sunday, yeah. I don't know that she can hear you or not, but she's around the corner. Talk about faithful ministry. Uh, last, last Sunday, uh, Bennett and I were back in the preschool helping out, and, and what heroes in ministry, uh, serving, in, serving in preschool. People said your sermon should be a lot shorter this week after you served in preschool last week, and I would say that probably, probably should be true. The first 10 minutes last week took about two hours, uh, and then after that, we did great. We set a record for number of goldfish eaten, and we made several trips around the building with that little buggy, and so we had, we had a great time. And I'm so thankful for those of you who serve with preschool, with kids, for Miss Marva and the way that she serves every week uh, with our Elevate Children's Church time. Just, just a wonderful gift. Um, as we think about ministry to kids and families, think about several things coming up here at Emmaus. We're coming up really quickly on Vacation Bible School, June 6th through the 10th. Help us out this week. Make a commitment this week to get the word out to somebody about Vacation Bible School. When you leave today, as you're going out the main doors, we have stacks of cards for Vacation Bible School. Take some cards, take them home, give them to people in your neighborhood. If you could help us out this afternoon, go and make a post on social media about Vacation Bible School, that's a great way on a Sunday afternoon as people are thinking about church and thinking about things coming up this summer. Help us get the word out about that. We've got Falls Creek, super summer. We have the final week of June. We have kids camp. June is a very full month for families uh, at Emmaus, but in a really good way. And I love how much our church encourages and supports what's happening with our kids and, and our youth. And as I was thinking about that, preparing for this morning, when we think about ministry to kids, and we think about families, and, and families including singles in our church who are fostering and caring for kids and are serving as godparents, and we think about what that ministry looks like, we have to admit that this week feels particularly heavy. Uh, this week, if you receive my weekly email that I send out, and if you don't, let me know and I'll, I'll get you added to that list, but this week a report was released related to the Southern Baptist Convention called the Sexual Abuse Task Force Report that revealed a lot of things that have been happening over the years where people in power have not been caring for those who have been abused. And, and some things came out in that report that they're just make you sick. Uh, and as I was in the process of sending that email to our church, about to hit send on that email, I start to see the news reports re related to Uvalde and, and what happened there and just the, it, it, you lack words to describe the evil involved in a situation like that. And then, just yesterday, about another report that's come out related to Canicut camps and, and abuse um, and cover-up that's been happening. And you just think about kids and how much Jesus loves kids in his ministry and how the faith of a child represents the kingdom of God to us and, and the calling that we have to share the gospel with kids and how that's going to be happening. And not just to share the gospel with kids, but with their parents and their families and to care for them. And so as we come this morning to get started, 
I just want us to take a minute to slow down and, and, and just to pray. To pray that God's wisdom and peace and strength will be made known. I don't know what's going on in your family uh, related to caring for kids, ministering to kids, stuff that's happening in your family. But just for us to come together as a church and say, God, in the moments of darkness and difficulty, we trust you. And we need you to work. We need your wisdom. We need your power. We need your justice. We need these things to be shown so that the gospel will go forward, so we can care for kids, we can care for families. So we're going to pray together this morning as we begin, and then we'll begin to get into Scripture together. Let's pray this morning. Father, we know that the Bible says that you call us to weep with those who weep. Um, and just the world we live in and how much access we have to information that comes in, there are, there are a lot of things that drive us to weep, uh, that, that break us over the evil and the darkness that, that's in the world. And we don't want to move too quickly past that and just act like it's not a big deal or life goes on because these represent real people. Uh, and we see the effects of sin and evil in our world. Uh, leaders who have not done what they've been called to do and caring for those under them, kids and families that have been affected. Just thinking about so many people in our church who work in school systems, so many of our church who are having little, little ones come into their family, and God, the calling we have to raise these kids to know how good you are, the chance we have in Vacation Bible School this summer, the chance we have at Falls Creek, God, we want to be used by you to share the good news of Jesus with those around us, beginning with these kids and their families. And God, we pray in our world that we would have peace and wisdom and strength that comes from you because we are in desperate need of that. And so, Father, we begin our service today just praying about that, praying that your light would shine through the darkness. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, we're gonna be in Mark chapter four. And we're continuing our study of the Gospel of Mark that will take us several more months into the future. We're just working our way a little at a time through the Gospel of Mark. We'll be spending a couple of weeks in Mark chapter 4 looking at the parables of Jesus. And even if you're not super familiar with church, a lot of people are familiar with the parables of Jesus because it's why people love the teaching of Jesus that when he taught, he taught in stories. He taught in stories that a little kid could understand and connect with but he also taught in stories that had so much meaning that even the greatest religious leaders had trouble understanding and responding to them. And so next week, we're going to get into the main parable of Mark chapter 4. But I want to begin this week by just asking the question, why did Jesus teach in parables? So before we begin to look at the parable of the sower and the way that that parable impacts our Christian life, we're beginning this week by asking, why did Jesus teach in parables? And I want us to focus on two questions in particular that will kind of guide us as we go through our time, as we think about responding to God's word. There's two questions I want us to think about. Number one, what do I need to know? What do I need to know to live in this world? What do I need to know to make sense of the world we live in? Because let's be honest, the world we, make it, we live in doesn't make sense a lot of times. The, the hurt and the pain and what's going on in the world, the parables help us make sense of, help us answer the question, what do I need to know to live in this world, to live in God's world? And secondly, how can I know that? So the first question is, the parables lead us to understand what do I need to know 
to live in the world? And secondly, how can I know it? And I'll just cheat and give you the answers up front. How about that? And then we'll unfold the answers as we go forward because I don't want you to check out on me and not get the answers to the questions. First question, what do I need to know to make sense of this world? What you need to know is the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God has been revealed through Jesus. That is the most important phrase to that that question. What do you need to know? The kingdom of God is at work in this world. Secondly, how can I know what the kingdom of God is all about? What does that matter for my life? How can I know that? The answer to that question is faith. Faith seeking understanding, okay? What do I need to know? The kingdom of God. How can I know it? Faith seeking understanding understanding. We're beginning to work that that out. Why does this question matter? Why are we talking about this this morning? Well, the world in which we live, it's hard to know what kind of information you can trust. (laughs) When you think about all the the media channels that come at us, all the information, and then you find out the information wasn't true, and the information has to be corrected, and all these things that come at us in our world, it's really hard to know what's true. What can I believe? What can I hold on to? A couple of weeks ago, a friend of mine was telling me about a segment on 60 Minutes that he had seen. And this segment on 60 Minutes is about this thing that's been going around called Birds Aren't Real. Has anybody seen this? Okay, so, so Birds Aren't Real. A, a couple of years ago, this kid from Arkansas, which explains the whole story that I'm about to tell you, okay? So, uh, so it's like, you know, those jokes that begin with a man from Florida, like a kid from Arkansas, okay? So that just fills in the gaps for the rest of the story. This kid from Arkansas was so bothered by all this disinformation and, and it was out there, he concocted this story about this CIA agent who developed a plan to get rid of all birds in the world, uh, which my wife might actually sign up for, uh, the way she feels about birds, but get rid of all the birds. And the birds that you see out there are actually drones that are doing surveillance work in, in the world. And so when you see the birds up on the, the electric line, they're recharging to, to do the work that they're meant to do. So he puts this campaign out there called Birds Aren't Real as a joke The problem is it starts to gain traction and and gets spread around, and and the story gets out of of control about about birds aren't real. Now, I don't know about your house, but our house, we have some birds that come back every year to our front door that my wife battles for weeks and weeks and weeks about whether they can live at our front door. Our home is under surveillance. Uh, And if you don't know, at Emmaus, we have a history. Even two weeks ago while I was preaching, there was a bird back here. So our church is under surveillance. All these things are happening. Now, birds aren't real. We can laugh at that. We can cringe. We can be confused by that. But the question is, what can I know? If we live in a world where people are confused about whether birds are real or not, think about how difficult it is to know the things of God. How can I know about the kingdom of God? What does it look like for the kingdom of God to be at work? Mark chapter 4, verse 1. Let's get into God's word. Look at how Mark chapter 4 begins. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. Jesus' ministry, as he come, has been, been about teaching. What, what has Jesus taught so far? Well, you know, in Mark chapter 1, verse 15, it said, The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Mark chapter 1, verse 15, are the very first words of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Mark. So they tell us 
everything we need to know about what's coming up about the teaching of Jesus. What is Jesus' teaching all about? The kingdom of God, God's rule in the world has come through the teaching of Jesus. Now's the time for people to respond to the kingdom of God, to repent and believe. And it says that when Jesus taught, he taught as one who had authority. He didn't just come passing along what he had been told by others. He comes speaking as God with us. He comes to say God's kingdom has come. This is the most important thing I can tell you because you need to repent and believe in the kingdom of God. You need to repent and believe in the good news of salvation. It continues there in verse 1 that as Jesus began to teach beside the sea, a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea, and the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. Now we've seen multiple times in Mark the crowd being mentioned as the crowd comes to him and tries to decide, are we going to follow Jesus, or are we not going to follow Jesus? And here, to do his teaching, Jesus goes out and begins to sit in this boat. Side note here, it's really interesting how the language works in, in Mark in Greek here. It doesn't actually say that Jesus sat in a boat, that we understand that's what happened. It just says he sat on the sea. Now, why is that interesting? <laughs> because later, he's going to calm the sea. And later, he's going to walk on the sea. And it's kind of Mark's way of throwing in this comment about Jesus' authority. He's not only here to teach, but he teaches as one who sits on the sea. And when he sits there, he sits there as the creator of all things, as God with us, to show his authority, to show what the kingdom of God is all about. Verse 2, what do we know about Jesus' teaching? He was teaching them many things in parables. Now these parables are the stories that Jesus uses in his teaching, these stories that don't just give a moral lesson but these are the kind of stories that invite us in and call us to respond. Because when we hear a story, when we hear a parable, sometimes what we think about is something like Aesop's fables from ancient Greece. You think about Aesop's fables, something like the story of the fox and the goat. Kids, I don't know if you guys have heard about the fox and the goat, but the story here is that the fox goes and falls in this well. And so he's stuck in the well, not sure how he's going to get, his, get himself out of there. And the goat comes along and sees the fox in the well and says, Hey, fox, how's the water down there? Because he thought the fox was getting a drink. He didn't know he was stuck. And the fox says, Oh, it's the best water in the entire world. Like, you need to come down here and, and get some of it. So the goat jumps in the well. The well. I said that with like three syllables. And the well, the fox jumps on the goat's back and jumps out of the well. And the goat realizes he's been tricked. He's been abandoned. And the fox yells at him, if your brain was as big as your beard, you would have known what I was doing. <laughs> What's the moral of the story? Look before you leap. Make a decision. Now, we tell a story like that. Is that what Jesus is doing in his parables? No, it's actually not what Jesus is doing in his parables. Jesus is not telling these stories so we can just draw a moral conclusion from them. Jesus tells these stories because he wants us to see what the kingdom of God is all about. Jesus tells these, these stories not so we will know how to act in the world necessarily, but so we will know how God works in his world. So he gives us the parables as stories that we are called to respond to. And you see this at the end of, of that verse. If you look at the end of verse 2, 
it says, as he was teaching, he said to them, listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. That verse three there, listen, uh, when I think about that, I think about our vacation Bible school teachers that are about to go to work in a couple of weeks, or I think about the real heroes in the room, those of you who teach elementary school. I was in an elementary classroom one time uh, helping to do something, and the kids were being a little bit chaotic, and the teacher clapped her hands, the kids clapped back and went silent. I was like, that was sorcery. I have never seen anything like that in my life. Like, that was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. Like, the, the ability to get kids to listen on, on the spot. When Jesus says, listen, he's not just saying, put your listening ears on, though he is saying, listen. He's saying, listen, because this demands a response. Listen in such a way that you hear exactly what I'm saying, not just what's on the surface, but the full meaning of this, because this is gonna require a response with your life. What kind of story does he tell them here? Well, he says, again, we're gonna look at this in depth next week, but he says, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came, not the drones, the birds, the actual birds, came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground, where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up, because it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched. And since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain, growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said to them in verse 9, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Understand fully what I'm telling you here. Verse 10, when he was alone, now this is key, when he was alone, those around him with the 12 asked him about the parables. The imagery that you're going to see in verses 10 and 11 help us to understand why Jesus used parables. Because what you have here is after he tells these stories to the crowd, there were a group of people who gathered around Jesus. And every time in the Gospel of Mark we see a smaller group starting to gather around Jesus, we start to see disciples being formed. We start to see people who want to respond to the message of Jesus, who really want to hear what Jesus had to say. These are the students who are staying after class because they really care about what's going on and they want to know more and they want to know what's happening here. They're staying around. They want to hear from Jesus what this teaching is all about. They're drawing near to him. Often in the Gospel of Mark, when divine revelation is given from heaven, it happens either on a mountain where you're away from other people or it happens when Jesus gets alone with just a few people. And let's be honest, that still happens in our day. Oftentimes when God reveals himself through his word in powerful ways, it's when you've gotten away, you've gotten away, if I'm gonna pick getting away, I'm gonna pick the mountains, some of you pick the beach, and I don't, I don't understand that, but that's okay. Like, when you get away from everything going on, and when you get among a small group of people, God has a way of revealing himself and teaching us in, in really unique ways because we're drawing near to him. We're getting rid of the distractions. We want to come to him in faith and hear what he has to say. So how does Jesus respond in verse 11? In verse 11, he said to them, to you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Okay, so many Mark themes are about to come together right here. 
This idea of inside and outside. We saw this a couple of weeks ago with Jesus' family, that those who are inside the house are those who have drawn near to him in faith. Those who are outside the house are those who are separating themselves away from Jesus, saying, I don't want anything to do with this teaching. I'm confused by this. It's, it's almost a symbol of rejecting. And Jesus is saying here, there are two groups of people. There are people who are responding to his teaching in two different ways. And there are still today, in 2022, people who respond to the word of God in two different ways. There's one group that is drawing near in faith, coming near to Jesus, wanting to know more about this. And there's another group that's staying outside. And Jesus says, those who draw near to me in faith, they will know the secret of the kingdom of God. Don't you hate to be left out of a secret? <laughs> like everybody else knows what's going on. Everybody else has the inside joke and you're just laughing, you know, awkwardly because you have no idea what's going on. What does it mean here, this idea that the secret of the kingdom of God? In the Bible, when the word secret is used or when the word mystery is used, it's not saying something confusing or difficult to understand. What it's saying is something that you couldn't understand by purely human intellect. Mystery in scripture is something we can only know when it's been revealed by God. You're gonna find this language throughout the gospels. You find this language a lot in the writings of Paul. When there's a mystery of God, it means it's something that can only be known because God has made it known. And so those who draw near to Jesus, they are able to know what God's kingdom is all about. They're able to know what God is doing in the world. They're able to know God and respond to him. To those outside, who live in pride and reject the way of Jesus, what do they get? They get parables. And you say, wait, 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 time out. I thought parables were good. I thought parables were how we know God. They are if you respond in faith. But parables, if you don't respond in faith, cause frustration, they conceal the ways of God, they have a way of turning people away from God. How do we know that? Verse 12, look at verse 12. Jesus says to those outside, they get parables, so that they may indeed see, but not really perceive, and may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Mark chapter 4, verse 12, is a verse that when you read the commentaries from the scholars about this verse, they will say this is one of the most difficult verses in the New Testament to make sense of. Because when we read this verse, what are we finding? Jesus taught in parables for the purpose that some people would hear and not respond. And if that kind of makes your stomach tighten up or it makes your head swirl a little bit, you're paying attention. <laughs> you're, you're, you're tracking with, with what's going on here. Because those who are living in pride, who are opposed to the way of Jesus, when these parables come, they don't understand what's going on. Uh, it's like those, you go to um, a, a kid's museum or you go someplace and they have the optical illusions and you look at the little piece of paper and you can't see anything, but if you cross your eyes or look a certain way, the, the image comes out to you. I'm always so frustrated by those because the person next to me is like, oh, there's a dolphin. I'm like, I don't see the dolphin. <laughs> For some reason, my eyes are not, not allowing me to see what's going on there. When Jesus teaches in parables, some people are able to see what's happening other people are not. Why would this be the case? Like, why would God work in this way? Here's one of those times in the Bible that you have to take a step back and you've got to look at the big picture. 
in the Gospel of Mark, the two Old Testament books that sit in the background and help us make sense of Mark are Exodus and Isaiah. If you like to write in your Bible, you go to the first page of the book of Mark in your Bible and you write Exodus and Isaiah at the top because to understand what's happening in Mark, all these Old Testament themes from Exodus and Isaiah join in this river that comes into the Gospel of Mark. These imagery from Exodus and Isaiah about how as God is working in the world, people are rejecting him and their hearts grow hard toward God. But as their hearts grow hard, God actually uses that to bring the salvation of his people. So what do you find in Exodus? What do you find in Isaiah? You have people rejecting God, their hearts grow hard toward God, and God uses that situation to bring salvation. What do you have in the ministry of Jesus? Jesus comes teaching the word of God. He comes doing miracles. He comes giving the good gifts of God. And what do some people do? They reject him. They turn away from him. Their hearts grow hard. And what does God do with the hardness of heart? It actually leads to salvation. How? Those who reject Jesus when he teaches, do you know what they will do later in the gospel? They will put into motion the events that lead to his death. What comes because of his death? Our hope of salvation. What comes on the other side of the cross? Resurrection. What comes on the other side of the resurrection? A message of salvation that goes out to all people. The rejection of Jesus' teaching, the blindness that happens toward the parables is not a defeat of God's plan, it's part of God's plan. And part of God's plan that will bring salvation, that will bring a message that will go out to all people. How do we know that what's happening here is not the end of the story? We'll jump over the main parable in Mark chapter 4 and look at verse 21. Because at the end of Mark chapter 4, Jesus tells a couple of smaller parables that help us understand why he used parables in the first place. Mark chapter 4, verse 21. He said to them, this is another story that Jesus used, another imagery. He said to them, is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? Now, when Jesus is telling parables, remember, he's speaking about himself and about his ministry. So there's a good chance that this imagery of a lamp here is the imagery of Jesus coming to be the light of the world. And Jesus says, does a light come into the room in order to be hidden or to be used and revealed? Well, a light is used so things can be seen. It's, it's used so something can be revealed. Verse 22, therefore, nothing is hidden except to be made manifest nor is anything secret except to one day come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Jesus is saying, in the short term of my ministry, things are not completely clear what's happening, but one day it will become clear. One day it will be revealed and the message will go forward. I also wanna say something else from, from this verse. This parable that Jesus uses here in verse 22 it shows us that when the kingdom of God comes, the light of God's kingdom will reveal what is happening in the dark, what's happening in secret. And what's happened over the past week in Southern Baptist churches and other churches and Christian camps is that reality is coming true. That things that have been hidden, things that have been swept to the side, things that have been covered up are being revealed and that's exactly how the kingdom of God works. 
that the kingdom of God, when his light shines in, things will be revealed. And I just want to say this extremely directly to you. You may be here this morning because you are living a life in which you are living with secrets. And you are covering things up. You know how to live one way on the outside, but when you get behind closed doors, things are completely different. You've done things that have been covered up that have never been brought into the light. And God has brought you here this morning to say, do not live in that way. That when the kingdom of God comes, when the light of God's kingdom shines into the darkness, things will be revealed. Maybe not necessarily in the short time, short term, but ultimately before him as judge, they will be revealed. And the kingdom of God tells us that when we bring our brokenness and pain and sin into the light, you know what we find? Not condemnation. We find hope and we find healing and we find salvation, we find justice. And so if you're here this morning and you've been living a cover-up life, you've been living with secrets, you've been living in a way that is suppressing something that needs to come to light, God has brought you here this morning to say bring it into the light. Talk to someone you trust. Talk to the right people in the right way and talk to them right away because the kingdom of God shines light into darkness. What's the other thing the kingdom of God does? Verse 24 he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. What does that parable teach us about the kingdom of God? It teaches us that both faith and hardness of heart increase over time. Which means, teenagers, hear me out, hear me out, please hear me on this. We can have a mentality in life, whether you're a teenager, college student, young adult, we can have a mentality in life that says, I'll get right with God later. Like, I'm, honestly, I'm just gonna live how I want right now in, in my life. I've got a job to pursue, I've got money to pursue. Frankly, I don't particularly care what my parents say about faith. I'm just gonna live however I want now. And then when I get a little bit older, then I'll get right with God. The danger of that way of thinking is that both faith and hardness of heart increase over time. They don't stay neutral. When you give your life to Jesus as a teenager and you continue to walk in faith, that faith increases over time. When you day after day, week after week, hear the message of the gospel and reject that, it's not neutral, your heart is growing harder over time. You're continuing to reject Jesus and your heart becomes callous to him. Both faith and hardness of heart increase over time and those who have faith will grow in faith. Those who reject Jesus will begin to draw even further away from him. Don't wait. If you're here and week after week you hear the gospel, day after day people show you God's love and you just keep growing hard and pushing it to the side, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day to turn to Jesus and experience his love and his grace and his forgiveness. Question number one this morning that we talked about earlier. Question number one is what do we need to know to live in this world? What do we need to know to live in this world? The kingdom of God has been revealed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. The most important thing that you can know about this world is that God's rule his power, his goodness, 
have been displayed through Jesus. That when God shows his power, he doesn't show it through military power, he doesn't show it through money, he doesn't show it through earthly politics, he shows it through his son who came in a manger, who worked as a carpenter, who died on a cross, who started a church that started so small and then continues to grow. That's how the kingdom of God works. And the kingdom of God is so unique because it's glorious and victorious, but a lot of times it looks like it's suffering, it looks lowly, and it looks like it's struggling. The kingdom of God is present. It's breaking into the world right now, and yet we haven't seen everything the kingdom is going to mean in the future. The kingdom of God has to do with our everyday lives. It has to do with your house and your workplace and your school and where you go to play. But the kingdom of God also goes beyond this world. The kingdom of God is about the mystery of God working in this world for his good and for his glory. And how does he do that? He does it through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. This is the kingdom of God on display. This is what we have been called to be part of. And if that's true, the question we ask in response is, how can I really know that? Like, that sounds like you just went on a preacher rant and you were talking about this language from the Bible about the kingdom of God. How can I really know that? The, the phrase I want to give you this morning that has been so helpful to me in my life is the phrase, faith seeking understanding. We're going to come back to this phrase multiple times as we go through the Gospel of Mark. Uh, it's a phrase that was made famous in church history, but it describes the Christian life in a lot of ways that we begin in faith. We respond to the work of God in the world in faith. That responding to the kingdom of God is not about how smart you are. It's not about your intellectual ability. That, that it's good to ask questions. It's not a bad thing to ask questions, but if you're waiting to have all of your questions answered before you turn to Jesus, you're gonna be waiting for a long time because we're always gonna have questions. We're always gonna have these things we don't fully understand. We respond to Jesus in faith, but it doesn't stay there. It's faith that grows in understanding. The more we have faith, the more we want to know how God works in the world. Faith is not an enemy of learning. Faith is the foundation for learning. As you respond to Jesus in faith, you know what that drives? A desire to know him more a desire to know more about how he works in the world, to know more about his word, that when we have faith, faith wants to seek understanding. Students, we need people of faith who love science. We need people of faith who love math. We need people of faith who love technology. We need people of faith who love business. We need people of faith who live out their faith as they seek understanding in the world. And the more we understand how God has created the world, you know what that creates? more faith. And the more we grow in faith, the more we want to know how God works in the world. And the more we know how God works in the world, the more we trust in him. And it creates this beautiful cycle that makes up the Christian life. But what about the questions that you just can't get an answer to? What about the questions when a test, a health test doesn't come back the way you want it? What about the absolutely unanswerable question of how so many little kids can be killed in an elementary school? What about the question of how a so-called Christian leader could allow abuse to continue year after year after year? What do you do with those questions? Faith-seeking understanding, how do you make sense of something like that? I've been so helped by this quote from John Stott 
that, that you see on the screen there. Stott says, I could never myself believe in God if it were not for the cross. In the real world of pain, how could I worship a God who was immune to it? When you face things in your life that you just don't understand, when you see things on the news that you just don't understand, the best way I can say this to you is run straight to the cross and remember the resurrection. Faith seeking understanding tells us that what God is doing in the world through his kingdom always runs through the cross and to the resurrection. That on the cross, we see a God who is not immune to pain, who does not avoid the way of pain, who understands the pain and darkness and evil of this world. But through the resurrection, we see a God who says that's not the end of the story. Who see a God who brings light and hope and peace and justice. And so when you live in a world trying to say, how can I know what the kingdom of God looks like? Faith seeking understanding that goes through the cross to the resurrection. This morning, it doesn't matter if you're in first grade, it doesn't matter if you just graduated, if you're a young adult, meeting an adult, if you're retirement running on to the end of life, what's your purpose in life? What's the meaning of life this morning? I want to sum it up in this way for the parables. The meaning of life is that you would know God and make him known. The parables teach us that because of Jesus' ministry, because of what he came to do, that we are able to know God. And I struggled giving that as the conclusion this morning because in some way it didn't feel practical enough. But can I just tell you this morning, the most practical, most glorious thing that you could ever experience in your life is to know God. To know his grace and his mercy and his power and his goodness and his love and his holiness. The most important thing that could ever happen in your life is that you know God through Jesus Christ by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that when you know him, when you come to trust in him, when you seek to understand him more, that you would make him known. That you would be the kind of person who displays the kingdom of God into the world. You would be the type of person who speaks with good news and with hope because we live through the cross to the resurrection. What's our hope in life? That we would know God and make him known. As we wrap up this morning, we're gonna sing one of our favorite new modern hymns here at Emmaus. As we think about magnifying Christ, that Christ would be one that we would know in salvation and then he would be magnified through our lives. During this final song, this is what we call our invitation. This is our response. That if you're here this morning and you need to pray with someone, you're here this morning and you've been living with secrets that you know need to come in the light, if you're here this morning and you've been rejecting Jesus and you know that this morning is the time that you would trust him for salvation, would you come forward and let us pray for you? If you feel like, I need to do that, but there's just no way I can do that during a song in public, I understand that. It's good to respond in public, but I understand why that might be hard immediately after the song is finished. We don't go anywhere. The invitation and the response don't end. We'll be right here at the front. We want to talk to you about what God's doing in your life. Let me pray for us, and we're gonna stand up and sing this beautiful song together in worship. Father, thank you for the parables of Jesus. Um, I can't wait to get into to talking about more details about the individual parables and, and how we love these parables because we think about stories that little kids can understand, but, but stories that require a response, a stories that require us to respond in faith to you. 
And God, I pray for those who are here. I know it's been a hard week. It's been a hard year for so many people. And what we can know from this morning from your word is that you are in control. You are at work. And so God, I pray if someone has come in here this morning and, and they felt uncertain about your work in their life, God, that they would know that you're at work, that the kingdom of God has been revealed through Jesus and all we have to do is respond in faith. And God, as we respond in faith, we would know you more and make you known to the world around us. And God, as we stand and sing, we give our lives fully to you. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen.